Hello, friends. Welcome back to the AbbeyCast. This is a special episode to look back on the first three interviews we've done, talk a little bit about my process, goals, and agendas as an interviewer and a producer, and think about where we go from here. Thank you for your support and your engagement so far. As always, I'm Amy Weston. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a first-year ministry fellow at Harvard Divinity School, and you can find me on Twitter at DeepSpaceAmy. The seeds of this project were planted this past summer, as I was preparing to start school at Harvard Divinity School. Excited to be attending a place with colleagues from a wide range of religious traditions, I got this idea that I could somehow document that diversity through a medium that I was already practiced in, that being podcasting. My motives were somewhat selfish, for sure. I'm someone who's journeyed through several faith traditions to get where I am today. And what I was searching for was a way to combine and reconcile the beliefs and rituals from my own spiritual life into some sort of harmonious whole. Of course, naturally, as I started Divinity School, it became obvious that this initial project of comparing and contrasting faith traditions was, well, reductive, and it didn't get at the rich diversity of experiences that I was interested in. Frankly, the idea just seemed too broad. So I figured I'd just let the idea stew for a while. I knew I wanted to do a podcast of some kind to document my conversations and experiences at HDS. But the hook, what the the actual topic of the show would be, still eluded me. I found a way in, though, through reading and discussing the life of St. Teresa of Avila, which we did in uh, Professor Stephanie Paulsell's Contemplative Prayer in Christianity class. Teresa and our discussions about Teresa in class introduced me to this idea of the prayer of recollection, which is a type of contemplative praying where you picture a scene from the gospel and you use that recollection to keep your eyes and your mind turned toward Jesus. I found such a prayer when I practiced it intense and powerful. But I also found, along with many of my colleagues, a sort of different prayer of recollection in reading St. Teresa. Her voice is so immediate, so conversational, so articulate and personal. I found myself imagining as I read that I too was a Carmelite nun sitting in Teresa's room having a candid conversation with her about interior prayer. And it was in that image that the Abbey cast was born. As I outlined it in the introduction of the first episode, and we can listen to that right now, 
this is the first episode of what I'm at this point calling uh, Abbey Cast because like an abbey this is a space where we explore and develop spiritual practice uh except just like in a virtual space instead of in a in a building with with monks and nuns and what whatnot and uh i guess the 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 first i guess background question introductory question if you will is so like what are your spiritual practices like what are what are the things that you do or that you like to do um to 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 cultivate this uh sense of connection to the divine also like teresa i did not know what this journey had in store i decided to make this podcast about prayer and spirituality a place to explore and develop diverse approaches to the practice of prayer what i did not expect were the ways in which my guests would open up revealing divinity everywhere we looked. My first guest, Lacey, set a precedent with the eloquence with which they wove together the threads of their spiritual autobiography and their experience of God. Let's take a listen to their words. To realize that I could be reconciled to God and that, and that Christ could be in me um, even as I was, uh, without me having to change anything, and it didn't make me evil, and it didn't make me wrong. Um, and to feel that wholeness, uh, I don't think I could have felt that wholeness in that way had I not, and we'll say, we'll say this loosely, but had I not fallen to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. I think that experiencing that kind of reconciliation um, is immensely valuable, and, and I wouldn't have wished it any other way. But to be in a place where, where one's convinced that oneself is irreconcilable to God and then to see the light and the wholeness, that that's not necessarily the case, um, it, it changes everything. I mean, to this day, I still feel immeasurably loved. And even though I loved God, you know, back when I was... Uh, back in middle school, back in elementary school, when I was in school, you know, I I loved God and I would say that I loved God. But it's only after I realize how God loves me and how I can love myself in God, it's it's just entirely profoundly different. And a lot of people talk about a personal relationship with God. And before I knew what that was, I would I would talk about it. You know, I have a personal relationship with Mm -hmm. God. I understand God. But there's points at which you feel it, um, and those those points change you. I I'm so grateful that I was kind of able to blossom open in that way, um, and to have this understanding of God that I have. Lacey's interview opened my eyes to just how unique each person's spiritual journey could be. They helped me see my own experience as graciously mediocre. I learned a lot of humility from that first interview, and it helped me create the tone and the space for the subsequent guests on the show. From the beginning, it's been so important to me that this project be interfaith and affirming. The Abbeycast is a religious podcast, yes, but it's also a podcast that aims to celebrate diversity, to center liberatory theologies, and to elevate the voices of those people who have not been traditionally heard in religious spaces. 
In the second episode of AbbeyCast, I got a chance to dive into Judaism with my colleague Emily Rogal. Emily struggled through some difficult questions of her own relationship to prayer, but she also brought us a way to see blessing as a feminist liberatory practice. Here she is. This is called the Bodega Bracha. Blessed are you, Adonai, who has lovingly stitched me into a body with luscious and overflowing curves. Help me to rely on my legs, my neshama, or my soul, as firmly rooted in you as a palm tree in Lebanon. Forgive my tongue when it drips with venom at the men who whistle and purr, laugh and point at the counter of the bodega, their hands wandering my body without touch, as though I have approved this union already. Draw me closer to you as I pull my jacket around my body, so lovingly created by you, to love and cry and pray and dance, to be mine and mine alone. Make your voice louder in my ears. Help me to find the holiness in this lost moment. In this lost moment, allow me to regain my breath. Root me in this moment within me, within you. So, I um, I put out this, I and I, I kind of let that sit for a little while, and it just. What happened was, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, it it transformed that moment into something that was holy. Um, it it I think it lassoed God into the moment is how I imagine it. Um, and being like, no, I need you here now. And then last year I was in a feminist avant-garde poetics class because hashtag senior year of college at liberal arts school. And we had to do a poetry project for this for the final. And I and I decided to put this out and to ask my friends to join in with me. And the call was for people to take a moment that required sanctification and to write something about it. So I have friends who wrote blessings for taking plan B, for um, for seizing the moment. I have friends who wrote stuff about um, a blessing for not having sex. I have uh, friends who wrote blessings for having sex, for um, having stretch marks, for all these things. And it's it's definitely in this, um, I called it a feminist blessing book, again, because I believe that feminism is is a liberatory practice. Um, that, And I believe that and there were folks of all genders who, you know, all different types of genders who who were included in that project. And it was really, really special. Emily ended up teaching me so much about Judaism and about experiences of prayer and of God that are uniquely Jewish. My third guest was another friend and colleague from Harvard, Wilson Hood. In some ways, this was the most challenging interview, actually, precisely because Wilson and I come from such similar traditions and have such similar feelings about our own spiritual lives. In interviewing Lacey, and especially in interviewing Emily, I was able to occupy a novice-like humility, a state of sitting with my not knowing in a way that opened me up to the breadth of Emily and Lacey's experiences. With Wilson, this was less the case, and I found myself putting much more effort into decentering myself. 
That said, the moments when Wilson and I would strike the same chord were some of the most lively moments of the show. Here is one of those times. Uh, the sort of way that the word call has become synonymous with, well, are you going to divinity school or not? Has, is That's not necessarily as helpful as I yeah, think yeah. Um, the concept of call could be. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so in, in my experience, um, call has always been something that I have kind of begrudgingly assented to. I am not one of those people that I think, and I really envy those people who really both have a sense of call and the kind of like, you know, first to jump in the swimming hole kind of um, gumption to hop right in. I am very much like, you know, if call was following God down a long hallway, then there are like nail marks on either side where I'm being dragged and sort of like grumpy about the whole process and kind of just want to be left alone, to be honest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, like sometimes I really do just, you know, want to only focus on like eating chips and catching up on black mirror. But unfortunately, you know, there's, there's these, there's these things, that I can't I can't avoid as much as I would like to um call is scary call is confusing call is big but for me it's helpful when I'm facing those questions um to remember that call is not the same thing as presence but call is intimately woven in presence and at the end of the day for me call is about how am I helping other people and frankly in that process helping myself Um, pay attention to the presence of God all around them and within them. Um, And how does that desire to do that impact the choices I make on a daily basis? Wilson and all of my guests really make my job as an interviewer so easy. They're thoughtful, articulate, open, and generous. My goal going into each interview is always the same. I want to create a space where my guests feel affirmed and validated, where they can share experiences about prayer and spirituality that aren't always comfortable things to share. There's an element of ministry here, a facet of pastoral care. People are not always quick to trust, and... There's an added hurdle to that trust when they know that they're being recorded and published on the internet. My first and last goal as an interviewer then is always to ensure that the interview is a safe space where my guest can be open and at ease. What that looks like varies from case to case. One of the things that I like to do is have a brief conversation beforehand to discuss where the interview might go to get a sense for the particulars of my guest's journey, map out any blunders of language to try and avoid. I also just try to be relaxed, smiling, engaged with my guests. Sometimes it can be hard to keep a conversation going if the person you're talking to doesn't respond and react. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and in this case, that seems to make people comfortable. Producing the episodes is another challenge, but it's a magical process nonetheless. 
the goal is to create a virtual sacred space, the Abbey, into which listeners may enter and find themselves nourished. My two main tools for doing that are by cutting out parts of the recorded interview, trimming it for lengthy content, and also by adding music. I tend in my podcast to always use music which I can find in the public domain or music released under Creative Commons. Nonetheless, I can anticipate finding music as the show goes on for which I will need to seek permission, especially as this podcast moves from the space of being an educational school project into the space of being a public creative work. Which brings us to the last thing. What is the future of Abbeycast? This podcast started as a school project, but now the semester's over, I'm turning in the project this week. Where do we go from here? Continuing to release episodes and reaching more people requires financial resources. Nonetheless, I want to see this podcast continue to grow and thrive, and the plan for doing that starts with creating a subscription option to support the show financially through a service like Patreon. So as the show moves forward, pay attention for an announcement regarding an Abbeycast Patreon. Rewards for subscribers will involve things like in-depth mini-episodes where I describe in detail the practices that we mention on the show. If you're still wondering how to pray the rosary, or you want to try a prayer of recollection yourself, that's the kind of thing that will be there. Funding for the show also enables me to move it to a more robust and dedicated podcast hosting service, and helps build and host an Abbeycast website. I'm filled with thanksgiving for my amazing guests, colleagues, and mentors who have made this show a reality this semester, and for all the enthusiastic listeners who have given feedback. I have a long list of interviews queued up for the coming months, and I'm so excited to bring them to you. Thanks for stopping by the Abbey again, and as always, we hope to see you again soon.